for Pete's sake. I'm Kat. And I'm Liz, and we're Chatting Catholic. We're self-study theologians of the domestic church. And we love reading what the Bishop of Rome has to say for himself. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Fratelli Tutti. Uh, We are so glad you're here. Hello, hello. So last week, Liz, you mentioned to me that you could tell me a story about when you were cleaning. (laughs) Because I love a good cleaning story. So here we go. Okay. So while I was getting the shot, my parents took my kids for a week. And so that went fine and I was great. And now I just have no kids for a week and that's lovely. So I was cleaning everything, all the deep cleaning things that you just don't do. Um, And I moved out my stove, which was a debacle in it to itself because it was screwed down. Um, But we got that fixed, pulled the stove out. And there is, guys, this potato wanted, it wanted life. It was three feet tall. A potato? A potato. A potato was three feet tall. It wanted so bad to live. It was just like stretching up to the sky behind my stove. (laughs) Three foot tall. It was as tall as a toddler. And I'm just like, I... How did this even happen? (laughs) I mean, I knew there was going to be stuff back there because... My stove was screwed down, guys. It's been a while. Like, this is not a thing. I did not screw it back down for the record. I was going to say, I think who, that's who screws <laughs> down a stove? Agreed. Agreed. Who screws down a stove? Um, But now that it's unscrewed down, I will I'll clean back there a little perhaps more often. Um, But in the meantime, <laughs> at some point, uh, somebody had dropped a potato down behind the stove. And oh, man... It it wanted to, it wanted to be alive. We planted it because I felt like anything that wanted life that bad, it was not my right to take its life from it. Wow, <laughs> so it stuck it in the ground. So you did plant it, and now it'll have baby potatoes, and the it's a it's a win win for everyone. It gets life, and you get potatoes. Oh, I don't know if I want to eat the potatoes. <laughs> I don't know what kind of potatoes they even are. Wow. Uh, I will, I will take, uh, maybe I'll post a picture of it on Instagram the day this drops. Oh, you have I took, to. I, I took a picture of this potato and it made people say curse words when I sent it to them. They're like, what is that thing? It is made of nightmares. Wow. <laughs> I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, wow, you found growing produce. I don't, like, I have four boys. So I'm like, I don't even know the worst I've seen. Like, I can't even <laughs> go down that path. <laughs> I mean, oh, there was a bunch of other stuff back there. Like, who screws down a stove? For, uh, who? Who? Who puts screws in the wall and is like, yes, what I want is to never move the food thing that I'm going to drop the food things behind. Because I like to grow things back there. Oh, fantastic. Well, I mean, your mother is amazing to take the kids. Yes, that was amazing. They'd been missing him, though. I know. See, I just moved back to the town that um my husband and I are both from and so we have both sets of grandparents and all of our siblings and aunts and uncles and stuff so like it just baffles me how I lived so many years without having family around and then to go back to family I'm like my mom just dropped off dinner for us just because she just brought food over and like or like someone will be like, hey, can we go take your kids to the park? I'm like, yeah, 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 you can. <laughs> I love this. 
I love this for me. I love this for you. I love this for everyone involved here. Thank you and goodbye. Yes. I was like, this is a, this will work for everyone. Yes. Oh, I love it. All right, Liz, are you going to read for us? Yes. I am reading paragraphs 255 through 262. Memory. Of those who have endured much unjust and cruel suffering, a sort of social forgiveness must not be demanded. Reconciliation is a personal act, and no one can impose it upon an entire society, however great the need to foster it. In a strictly personal way, someone by a free and generous decision can choose not to demand punishment, even if it is quite legitimately demanded by society and its justice system. However, it is not possible to proclaim a blanket reconciliation in an effort to bind wounds by decree or cover injustices in a cloak of oblivion. Who can claim the right to forgive in the name of others? It is moving to see forgiveness shown by those who are able to leave behind the harm they suffered, but it is also humanly understandable in the case of those who cannot. In any case, forgetting is never the answer. The Shoah must not be forgotten. It is the enduring symbol of the depths to which human evil can sink when spurred by false ideologies it fails to recognize the fundamental dignity of each person which merits unconditional respect regardless of ethnic origin or religious belief. As I think of it, I cannot help but repeat this prayer. Lord, remember us in your mercy. Grant us the grace to be ashamed of what we men have done to be ashamed of this massive idolatry, of having despised and destroyed our own flesh, which you formed from the earth, to which you gave life with your own breath of life. Never again, Lord. Never again. Nor must we forget the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Once again, I pay homage to all the victims, and I bow before the strength and dignity of those who, having survived those first moments, for years afterwards bore in the flesh immense suffering and in their spirit seeds of death that drained their vital energy. We cannot allow present and future generations to lose the memory of what happened. It is a memory that ensures and encourages the building of a more fair and fraternal future. Neither must we forget the persecutions, the slave trade, and the ethnic killings that continue in various countries, as well as the many other historical events that make us ashamed of our humanity. They need to be remembered, always and ever anew. We must never grow accustomed or inured to them. Nowadays, it is easy to be tempted to turn the page, to say that all these things happened long ago and we should look to the future. For God's sake, no! We can never move forward without remembering the past. We do not progress without an honest and unclouded memory. We need to keep alive the flame of collective conscience, bearing witness to succeeding generations to the horror of what happened. Because that witness awakens and preserves the memory of the victims so that the conscience of humanity may rise up in the face of every desire for dominance and destruction. The victims themselves individuals, social groups, or nations need to do so, lest they succumb to the mindset that leads to justifying reprisals and every kind of violence in the name of the great evil endured. For this reason, I think not only of the need to remember the atrocities, but also all those who, amid such great inhumanity and corruption, retained their dignity, 
and with gestures small or large, chose the part of solidarity, forgiveness, and fraternity. To remember goodness is also a healthy thing. Forgiving, but not forgetting. Forgiving does not mean forgetting, or better, in the face of a reality that can in no way be denied, relativized, or concealed, forgiveness is still possible. In the face of an action that can never be tolerated, justified, or excused, we can still forgive. In the face of something that cannot be forgotten for any reason, we can still forgive. Free and heartfelt forgiveness is something noble, a reflection of God's own infinite ability to forgive. If forgiveness is gratuitous, then it can be shown even to someone who resists repentance and is unable to beg pardon. Those who truly forgive do not forget. Instead, they choose not to yield to the same destructive force that caused them so much suffering. They break the vicious circle. They halt the advance of the forces of destruction. They choose not to spread in society the spirit of revenge that will sooner or later return to take its toll. Revenge never truly satisfies victims. Some crimes are so horrendous and cruel that the punishment of those who perpetrated them does not serve to repair the harm done. Even killing the criminal would not be enough nor could any form of torture prove commensurate with the sufferings inflicted on the victim. Revenge resolves nothing. This does not mean impunity. Justice is properly sought solely out of love of justice itself, out of respect for the victims, as a means of preventing new crimes and protecting the common good, not as an alleged outlet for personal anger. Forgiveness is precisely what enables us to pursue justice without falling into a spiral of revenge or the injustice of forgetting. When injustices have occurred on both sides, it is important to take into clear account whether they were equally grave or in any way comparable. Violence perpetrated by the state, using its structures and power, is not on the same level as that perpetrated by particular groups. In any event, one cannot claim that the unjust sufferings of one side alone should be commemorated. The bishops of Croatia have stated that we owe equal respect to every innocent victim. There can be no racial, national, confessional, or partisan differences. I ask God to prepare our hearts to encounter our brothers and sisters so that we may overcome our differences rooted in political thinking, language, culture, and religion, let us ask him to anoint our whole being with the balm of his mercy, which heals the injuries caused by mistakes, misunderstandings, and disputes. And let us ask him for the grace to send us forth in humility and meekness along the demanding but enriching path of seeking peace. All right. Thank you for reading for us, Liz. And if anyone, um, we've been trying to keep our reading segments to around 10 minutes. So if anyone likes that amount of time, if they feel like our episodes are a good length, uh, definitely let us know on Instagram or Facebook. Yes, we are trying to be considerate of your time. And thank you for listening. Yeah, and keep on listening because in the next couple episodes, we're going to drop what the next encyclical is going to be after we finish Fratelli Tutti. So stick with us and we will, uh, you know, drum up some suspense and then we'll let you know. 
There may be even videos on Facebook and Instagram. Ooh. So, sneaky, sneaky. We're excited. <laughs> All right. So, back to the topic. We're discussing war today and its injustice. I think this section is really important. And I yes. think it's really important for Catholics to hear because I feel like, and we had kind of touched on this before, with the issue of war, but mostly next week we'll talk about it even more, with the issue of death penalty, I feel like it's one of those situations where the church has given some leniency on debating a subject and then mm -hmm. we are just complacent. So we just stay on like, well, they said, they said just war, so we're going to go with that. Or they say like, you know, death yes. penalty, so whatever. And I think the context of this section is really important. Yes. He puts this right after the memory section. And we cannot forget, of those who have endured much unjust and cruel suffering, a sort of social forgiveness must not be demanded. Reconciliation is a personal act and no one can oppose it on an entire society, however great the need to foster it. He talked about the Holocaust. He talked about these terrible injustices some of which have been used to justify the wars that occurred then. So we know that he is not suggest that the Nazis should have been allowed to march all over the steps of history. Right. He's not saying that we should be okay with, you know, terrorist actions in various countries. He's saying that we're human and we're, we're, we're better than that. We're clever, yes. we're creative, and war is not a good solution to injustice. It doesn't work. Modern war, especially, is just way too deadly. It's way, way, way too deadly. One of the things that really get, got me, I was talking about the sound of music the other day, and it's like, World War II killed way too many of the Rolf Grubers, and the nice, if you could say that, the people who were just lost. Yes. And in the end, Hitler killed himself. He didn't, you know, like, and you're not, you can't convince me could, we couldn't have done better. <laughs> right. And you were saying, yeah, they were just lost. Yeah. Like, it, there were evil people, there are evil people, and there are evil things, but is is war the, really the answer? It's really interesting. And I think I mentioned this book to you before, but I, I just read it. And so it's still on my brain. So I just read Ben Shapiro's book, The Right Side of History, How Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great. It was a really good read, especially as a Catholic, because he really did. Um, he married a lot of Jewish traits and a lot of Greek, like ancient Greek philosophy, and how like the Catholic Church basically married all of those together into one. One thing he did kind of talk about in that book that I found really interesting was this notion of, as humans, we're made to be tribal. And so to then have us now in this melting pot and more awareness of each other and things like that, it could be one way of thinking that since we weren't made to be a mixed group, or at least not yet, we're, re we're rewriting how we are supposed to be as humans as an entire group of a world. But since we used to be more tribalistic, it's like all of those wars that came from it, you know, especially building up to World War One and World War Two. it's like you can see how by not having awareness of each other has created these mass wars. But yet, 
there's a way that we can move on from tribalism and through faith and reason be able to learn how to live together. Yes. Even if heaven doesn't happen on this earth, it is our duty as Catholics to practice for it. Yes. Yeah, because we can't. Yeah, exactly, Liz, because we're not here to be perfect. We're not here and this is our Garden of Eden. But that also doesn't mean that we can't strive for better. This is the dress rehearsal, right? Right. We're going to have to do these things in heaven. We're going to have to be chill with people who are culturally different even if they are all still catholic because there turns out there's lots of different rites and philosophies that all are united in this church and this belief that there is one superior thing one way is ridiculous when we actually look throughout history and Mm -hmm. see all of these different philosophies coming to kneel before his body and blood like right you don't have to be central european specific philosophy right to love him it's amazing too yeah like to be able to be in heaven and be able to see someone's soul deep automatically yeah like no question about it yeah back on war um so one of the things that we were discussing was that war has changed so much. Yes. Um, we're not looking at, like, in the Bible, there were wars. You're right. There totally were. David and Goliath fought one. And what was happening there was that the Philistine army and the Jewish army were encamped, not fighting, encamped on opposite hills while Goliath just beat on his shield and was like, hey, guys, whoever fights me, uh, whoever wins in a mano a mano, the rest of us will be the other one's slaves. That's definitely not bombing. That's not carpet bombing. Right. That is the opposite of that thing. Yes. Biblically, and not even as far back as biblical times, but it's almost like you had men lined up in nice rows or there would be some sort of like rules and there'd be some Mm -hmm. sort of like decorum. And it's just like we have nuclear weapons now. Like this is not the same thing that Augustine was talking about when he was debating a just war. Yeah, there are no picnickers watching the Battle of Bull Run. Right. Civilians are dying, and that is never acceptable. Yes. Probably my favorite quote from this section that I keep rereading, it says, War is a failure of politics and of humanity, a shameful capitulation, a stinging defeat before the forces of evil. Yes. Yes, when we commit acts of war, we are capitulating to the devil. And then I love how he goes on to say, touch the wounded flesh of the victims. Like, this is not something far away and foreign to us. It needs to be like, you need to really see what it is for you to to be in this debate when you're honest with you like you can you can theoretically discuss a just war yes but when you have to touch when when you are there on the ground helping people who have been hurt by war suddenly it hits different (laughs) your requirements for this get a lot higher I can theoretically discuss, I can be like, yeah, war can be just. Yeah, that's true. I can see that. But when I, when you start taking care right. of these people, of the civilians who are affected <clears throat> by war, you're like, sure, theoretically, war can be just. Haven't met one yet. 
<laughs> right. And it, it really just comes to mind. I mean, here's a Catholic bringing it back to pro-life issues, but it really yes. bring, brings it back in my mind. It's like when they have, when they actually have open dialogue, which is especially young people who are pro-choice and they really yeah. like, well, um, you know, it's health care, it's women's rights. It's all, it's all the bullet points that you hear. But then when you actually show them like, well, here's what it is. When you they don't want to look at right, it. Right. They can't, they can't go back and be like, okay, hold on. It's not what I, it's not what I yeah. thought it was. Turns out that was a person. It, yeah. It's not nice and neat and it's not justifiable. Like once you actually. Um, I would say also, if you want more, if you want like another encyclical to kind of marry with this, not that you need it, but he does also reference St. Pope John the 23rd. Yes. several times in this and he quotes him so we'll put the link in the show notes but you can also read through pache and terrace and this is a really good one to peruse through because during the cold war so this is 1963 and he wrote this encyclical on the idea of just war and this is a priest that has just seen World War One and World War Two, so it's really interesting to kind of read through his encyclical of what he has just witnessed, and then what that it's means for the absolutely the touching the wounds. Yes, it's touching the wounds, and it's absolutely a okay. Let's just take a step back and look at this issue of war. After World War Two, every consecutive pope afterwards has all said that we cannot fall back on a justified war. We do have a sense of justice. Like he said, in memory, justice is required on this earth. Justice will always be necessary. But war isn't getting us to justice. Yes. And it never has. And we have no evidence that it ever will. And so while we can theoretically discuss a need for justice that involves war, we can't discuss in the real actual world a war that has brought about real justice for all of its members and yes i mean this for soldiers too because it is not fair that soldiers should be dealing with the mental health issues with more homelessness mm -hmm. than anybody else there is no one for whom this is a good thing we have right. got to be more creative in our justice well and it's interesting to see what happens to a human that's been through war because we weren't made for war we were made for worship so if you go the complete opposite route of what you're made for mentally physically we can't handle that thanks for joining us this week on for pete's sake as we explore the words of pope francis in fratelli tutti Find For Pete's Sake on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links to Fratelli Tutti and some of our sources in the show notes. See you next week. St. Peter. Ora pro nobis. Pro nobis.